Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast with me, Scott Challoner. This podcast, just like the Leaders' Council itself, is all about recognising and celebrating those people who keep this great country running. We exist to give leaders a voice outside of their own organisations and to support them in the same way that they support their staff every single day of the week. Now, if you are in a leadership position yourself and would like to have your voice heard on the national stage, then please do go to leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply. Now, each week on this program, I'm joined by a different leadership figure from the world of business, education, politics, sports, or even from local communities in the aim of truly discovering who those people are that get up every morning and make this country work. We get their take on the current economic and political landscape of the UK, and on this occasion, we discuss everything from crisis decision-making to bread baking, and of course, the success and the innovation that makes it all worthwhile in the end. Um, On today's programme, I'm delighted to be joined by Simon Cannell, Managing Director of Speciality Breads, a Kent-based bread producer that specialises in providing frozen doughs to fully baked artisan breads for the food and catering industry. Uh, Simon, welcome and thank you ever so much for joining us on the show. Thank you for having me on. It's a real pleasure, Simon, and thanks again for joining us. Now, um, there's a nice little bit of history with your business, isn't there, in that you supplied the Athletes' Village during the 2012 London Olympics. That's right, isn't it? Uh, yes, yeah, that's right. Um, we, we were one of the, well, we're still only the real sort of um, major bakery in the UK to have red tractor status. Um, so for the London Olympics, they were very keen to have British um, product featured very prominently, obviously. So um, mm. yeah, we ended up as the, the bakery of choice for the Athletes Village, which is a, a big feather in our cap. So we're very proud of that. Yeah, absolutely remarkable. And um, of course, much has changed since 2012 when it seemed as if we had the most extraordinary summer, the Olympics in Great Britain, of course, and all of those medals. And um, last year's warmer months have ended up being something of a damp squib in comparison, haven't they, with all the major sporting events cancelled courtesy of COVID-19. So if we address that elephant in the room to start with and talk about COVID in the context of speciality breads, um, how would you say all of this has affected you and your operations on the whole? Uh, it's been huge. So, yeah, it's a, a rather rather large elephant, <laughs> that one. Um, it, for, for us, we predominantly supply the food service sector, so restaurants, pubs and hotels. We've got very little business in the, in the retail sector. So, as a manufacturer, we've been very, very uh, sort of significantly impacted by it. So, we went from... We, Average uh, at that time of year before the first lockdown, somewhere in the region of about £150,000 worth of turnover per week. Uh, within the second week of lockdown, that had reduced to 2500 So, yeah, it was, a, it was a huge, huge impact for us. Mm. And I suppose that the issues within the hospitality sector as well have been sort of a significant business cut off for you as well, because with you being in the catering business, I suppose that is a large part of your business there. Yeah, it's, that is predominantly what we do. So um, it, it had a really, really major impact on us. As I said, you know, the, the sales dropped uh, dropped off a cliff really within those first two weeks. We went from we normally employ about ninety eight staff. Um, we furloughed ninety one of those. Um, sort of once the furlough scheme became available, uh, and we ran the core business for that sort of first. Um, pretty much three month period of the first lockdown on on seven staff, so it was really sort of very much a skeleton crew. Mm. Um, the, the staff that we've got are are incredible. 
Um, it's sort of the, the difficult thing with sort of uh, deciding on who to furlough and who to keep in the business is, mm. is difficult because of it's 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 not a good experience for either one really. If you were furloughed, you were sort of stuck at home, not being able to have any sort of impact on the sort of direction of the business. Um, and if you were still in the business, then you're left with all of those sort of key decisions to make and all of those uh, sort of stresses and responsibilities of the other. 91 members of staff sort of on your shoulders. So, yeah, it, it wasn't a good experience for sort of anyone, no matter which side of the coin they were on, really. Mm, absolutely right. And uh, I suppose when you're in a leadership position, it's very difficult to have to be in the chair to make those decisions as it were and all of the pressure is certainly on you um, but I suppose from the experience you've had in leading the business through this quite trying time would you say that maybe you've come away having learned something from having to adapt to this new reality at all? Uh, yes, I mean, it's certainly an experience that I don't think anyone would choose to go through. Mm. Um, but I think coming out the other side of it, um, you know, we, we are an extremely resilient business um, and we have a, a fantastic bunch of people that, that are working for us. I mean, on a daily basis, you just sort of experience people stepping up and, and just putting in levels of effort that, you know, no one would normally ever expect. Um there's things that sort of when when you look back at the situation as well, um, I think overall we, we handled it quite well. There's certainly lots of things you sort of um, tweak a little bit with the benefit of hindsight. Um, but we try to sort of make sure that all the way through that we've stayed nice and calm. Um, and when we've had to make those sort of big decisions that we've put them off as long as we possibly could until we had all of the information to, to hand. Um, and I think that stood us in good stead. Um, one of the other things that we did, which was particularly beneficial, was try and look past the, the pandemic. You know, we we knew that a recovery was going to be going to be happening at some point. Mm. As it turns out, we've had sort of two recoveries, um, but we very much tried to plan ahead for each of those recoveries. Um, which was sort of a lot of that was about using the time that we had well. Um, but also it gives you something positive to focus on rather than sort of, you know, looking at the sort of the, the daily numbers, which weren't great. Mm. But if you're looking ahead, you can get yourself into a positive frame of mind and go, right, how are we going to come out of this and how are we going to make sure that we're ahead of our competition when we do? And that positivity is infectious, isn't it? Because keeping on top of mental well-being during this time, uh, which is an issue that's been greatly amplified by the pandemic, has been hugely important. And when there is so much uncertainty and so much anxiety among sort of industry, among the general population, workforces, it can sort of be quite difficult managing that. So that looking ahead, I suppose that's played a really important role. Yeah, and, and I think sort of, there was a few things that we were very conscious of. So. We, we entered into 2020 as a business in rude health, um, and that we had so many plans that we were looking to implement um, last year, lots of which we just had to shelf because it was the right thing to do at the time. Um, but one of the things we've been looking at was an employee benefits package. Um, and as part of that, one of the things, the elements of that was a, um, a free sort of counselling service that we um, were going to put in place for, for staff. Uh, to help with sort of mental health issues, um, and we actually we sort of we shelved all of the other aspects of the of the package, but that one we brought forward and implemented that sort of as we went into that first lockdown. So we had that available for staff to be able to use um, throughout, which I, I think would probably have sort of proven a godsend to sort of a, a lot of people. Um, but I think it's also important that you know 
we talk about sort of mental health of, of staff and things, but it's important for for those in a leadership position as well to sort of look after their own mental health and make sure that they're sort of in a in a good good place to use the sort of um, airline analogy when you're sort of sat on the um, mm. sat on a, a, a plane on the runway and they're giving you the safety briefing. Um, you know, use your own oxygen mask first to make sure that you're sort of looked after so that you can help others. I think that's very right. And I think it's very inspiring as to how workforces and how industry by and large has reacted. It's very much held up its side of the bargain with some incredible adaptability and innovations over the course of this last 14 months. So business has certainly played its part. Um, But much on the other hand, of course, has been made about the government's actions during the pandemic. And to its credit, it stepped in with some incredible support for businesses during this time with, of course, the business rates relief with the furlough scheme, as we've talked about, and with also coronavirus business interruption loans as well. Um, Although with some of these measures eventually going to be facing an end, perhaps all of later this year, and indeed the business rates relief is one that will be lapsing at the end of June, I believe, are businesses still sort of facing some sort of a cliff edge financially in that they are eventually going to have to burden this debt and we're sort of kicking the can down the road to a degree? Um, I think it very much depends on the position that your business went into the pandemic. Um, we were in a, a fortunate place that the business was very healthy as we went in. Uh, and I think that means that you're able to then make very sort of different decisions because when, when you're in a position of strength, you're able to take sort of step back, analyze things nice and calmly, and then sort of make, make the course that you need to, need to make. When you're up against it financially, it means that you make very, very different decisions uh, at times. And I think for some of those businesses that were in sort of, whether it was sort of, you know, slight financial distress sort of going going into the pandemic, or just maybe it sort of stretched themselves a little bit thin with acquisitions or whatever, um, you know, for, for them, I think they'll be feeling the pinch an awful lot more. So as we've come out with sort of both of the recoveries, both the recovery last summer, and sort of the one that we're in, in the middle of now, um, you, you do see businesses take a slightly different approach. So we brought back our start back in early March and started ramping up production in readiness for for the recovery and the sort of fully reopening of hospitality. Um, whereas those businesses that were sort of feeling the pinch a little bit more, they would be holding on for as late as possible, keeping their staff on furlough for as mm. long as they could. Um, uh, until they sort of brought them brought them back. So, I mean, we've had no furlough claim in now for uh, certainly got none for this month, and we had very little sort of last month because we've got all of our staff working absolutely full tilt um, to sort of get the get the business sort of um, up and running and, and, and ready to sort of take advantage of the busy summer that we've got ahead. And I guess that was needed as well, wasn't it? Because according to the government's roadmap out of social restrictions, um, hospitality now has returned almost in full flow. And therefore, um, there is that need there to mobilise and get ready because it looks as if UK domestic tourism, given all of the uh, the troubles that are involved with trying to travel abroad at this time, is going to enjoy a bumper year. So it's a good time to really cash in and there is some real optimism for your industry going forward, isn't there? Yeah, there is. It's it, you know, it's a, it's very much feast and famine sort of if you look back over the past past twelve months. But we're in a position at the moment where we're we're beating sort of our, our figures from. So I think everyone in sort of business world has pretty much sort of written off twenty twenty. So we we normally look at year on year performance, but 
it's irrelevant to look at last year in terms of uh, in terms of that metric. So we're all looking back at 2019 as the, the baseline for our measures that we're using now. And we're outperforming 2019 figures quite significantly. So, so that's sort of a, a, a real positive and something that we can be um, yeah, excited about. Um, the, the challenge is sort of planning ahead for, for the future. Um, businesses like certainty, and that's because of we're making investments that are sort of medium to long term. And therefore, we like to know sort of what's, what's coming up. Um, and it's very difficult from the government's perspective to be able to give certainty. But I definitely think that there's other things that they could be doing which would help businesses to sort of plan a little bit more um, and ensure that businesses have got that sort of safety net for being able to make those decisions. Mm. And are there any sorts of measures that perhaps you'd like to see from them over the coming weeks and months to help business in that way? Um, I, I think so from the furlough perspective, it's been an absolute godsend. That's been fantastic. It's been really, really good support. And I think the, the government deserves a huge amount of credit for that. They, they rolled it out very quickly. Um, they made it, uh, I'd say, relatively easy to sort of to, um, to, to sort of claim for um, payroll for uh, businesses that had sort of, uh, less than 100 members of staff. It was quite onerous to sort of put it through. Um, but, you know, they, they implemented that quite quickly. So furlough, I think, has been a sort of big, big tick in their sort of, their, their sort of government box. So that's great. Um, things like the rate relief that you mentioned earlier, that, mm. that's been uh, a little bit more sort of hit and miss. Um, rate relief, we were actually, as a manufacturer, we weren't entitled to any business rate relief, um, which was a bit of a, a bit of a shocker because of the, the hospitality industry is that's our lifeblood. So mm. that's who we supply, you know, probably about 99%. Um, and so if you had a venue, if you were a pub or a restaurant uh, or sort of any of those sort of uh, types of businesses, you were entitled to 100% business rate relief. Um, as a manufacturer, we got absolutely none, um, which considering sort of those businesses and venues can't function without the, um, the network of, of suppliers and wholesalers that also exist to support um, the, the industry. Um, it's been patchy, the support that's, that's been given. I think sort of looking ahead to the future in terms of what the, the government could do to, um, to help provide support, I think um, no one wants to utilise the furlough scheme. We all want to have all of our staff back sort of fully employed. Mm. So having the furlough scheme extended for a little bit longer to sit there as that sort of safety net in case we need it, I think could be quite a good thing because of the levels that are being claimed from that now will be very, very small compared to what they were at, at, at their peak. And then I think the other thing that would be really useful is for them to have a look at... Um, we all, none of us want to go back into another lockdown, and we're all desperately hoping that that doesn't happen. But if it, that is something that needs to happen in the future, then it would be good to know what that plan is so that businesses can sort of uh, adjust and make plans for how they might work around that mm. in a way that makes that businesses can still be sustainable so that we've got uh, income coming in through taxes into the government for them to be able to then fund the doctors, nurses, the emergency services that, that we need. Um, and so being a bit more creative in the way that they look at sort of future um, lockdowns and, and ways of controlling the pandemic if it does sort of surge again. 
I think would be a massive benefit to business. And I suppose keeping business better informed as well about its plans to sort of reverse um, restrictions or not, I suppose that would also be quite useful because there is a great deal of um, sort of discontent, let's say, about how sort of plans to lock the country down were communicated, particularly sort of the second and third time around where it sort of came upon us quite suddenly, I would say. Yeah, I mean, it's incredibly difficult when you're sort of, um, you're constantly taking risks as a business. So um, planning for the hospitality reopening, we can't just open immediately. We need to build mm. stock in readiness for that. So we're producing stock, producing, producing, producing weeks ahead of when uh, hospitality actually reopens and just hoping and praying that those dates don't get moved. Um, so when you're sort of, you know, I'm sat in the car on the on the way into the bakery in the morning, listening to listening to the radio and uh, and the latest news, and you've got sort of um, experts on there each day, sort of talking about the dates being moved back. It's I, I completely understand where they're coming from, but from a business perspective, when you've been planning for weeks and months, working towards those dates, it's very sort of difficult to then hear people talking about sort of um, moving them. So, mm. yeah, it's it, it's a fine balance to get wrong. It is, and I suppose it's also frustrating as well when, according to the current roadmap, you don't know whether the date's going to actually go ahead until just the week before. So you'll have been planning for weeks and weeks and weeks ahead of the reopening, and then you'll have seven days' notice that actually it's not going ahead as planned, and we've now got to prepare for that. It, it, exactly. And I think, you know, at, at the moment things are going going really well so you know as i said we're we're ahead of the sort of the sales that we're achieving in 2019 for the same sort of um, time of year so the the restrictions that are there at the moment are that they're hampering sales to to a degree for venues that would sort of clearly benefit from having larger numbers of people within them um, but it's it's not affecting things too much. I think business is coping sort of okay with it at the moment. I think a, a sort of a little bit of a delay on that would be would would not be too disastrous. Um, but it's it's making sure that people know that that reopening fully without all of the additional guidance is coming at some point because of some businesses are not sustainable without the restrictions going completely. Um, and therefore, the sooner we can get back to the, that that position, the, the, the better. Exactly right. So it's a little bit of a limbo period for us this as we record this podcast because it is being recorded on Friday the 11th of June. So we will find out in just three days time as to whether the full freedom date will be going ahead on June the 21st. So we keep our fingers crossed and we're sort of waiting for that to happen. Um, but I suppose reflecting back on the uh, the lockdown period for sort of your profession as a whole, Simon, there were a couple of nice things to actually come out of the lockdown period. Um, I've been privy to some data actually that was collected during lockdown uh, that was supplied by um, Market Measures, a market research group. And um, they actually uncovered that during lockdown, more people have taken to cooking from scratch at home, trying new recipes, and that's seen a significant increase in home baking. But also something else to come out of this is a resolve to buy local and British produce and to help local businesses. And I suppose these things are beneficial for your profession and it's also things that you're quite passionate about. It is one of my biggest passions is about supporting British um, and also sort of buying local as well. So we we have, aside from the bakery, we also have um, a couple of delis as well um, in Kent, uh, where we're based, um, uh, and, and those are all geared around supporting local producers. So 
Uh, we have one in Headcorn called the Foodie Symporium. Um, and over 60% of the um, products that we stock in there are from local producers. Um, we we closed that um, shop initially um, as we went into the first lockdown, but within within two weeks, we sort of reopened it for home deliveries. Um, and we're sort of doing home deliveries for all of our local customers. Um, and that was really well received. Uh, and then since then, once we were able to open from a retail perspective in there, um, we've had fantastic support from the, the local villagers. Um, and it's it's just been great to sort of see them continuing to support the business um, all, all the way through. So I, d- I do hope that that's something that, that sticks. Um, I'd like to think that it will because of, we've got some amazing producers locally and nationally. Um, sort of, you look back historically, and I think um, Britain wasn't particularly proud of what we did from a food perspective. I don't think we had the best reputation in the, in the world. Um, but you look at where we are now, and I think we're the envy of most countries for um, the, the the quality of produce that we have in this country and the broad spread of cuisine. Um, I can't think of many places in the world that you go to and experience such high quality of food um, across such a diverse um, sort of selection of different types of menus. It's fantastic. It is. It's brilliant to see certainly this sort of real promotion of British in the uh, sort of global food market. Absolutely right. And I think it may have a big part to play in the enduring economic recovery once we do eventually move out of social restrictions, hopefully for good. And when we talk about that recovery and what that's going to look like, I suppose the ultimate ambition from the UK government perspective is for it to be a green recovery. And that does certainly have a great deal of support from the great British public as well. Now, I understand that speciality breads as well Simon you yourselves have committed to some green targets and then one of those is to reduce consumption of single-use plastic by around 50% so I suppose a green economic recovery is something that you'll certainly be championing yourselves at the business. Yes it's definitely something that, that we're, we're pushing for um, I mean for, for, sort of, uh, for anything it makes an awful lot of business sense to be doing it regardless um, I think that there are a few challenges that exist around it, um, which are mostly around the speed of technology sort of being able to catch up with the um, with the expectation and the desire that is coming from um, from the business world. We all want to do it. We all want to embrace it. Um, but when you start digging into it in terms of what the options are, sometimes the technology just quite hasn't got to, to where we need it to be particularly within the food industry where we've got to be very careful about sort of ensuring that everything is of food grade. Mm. And then when you add in the complications that we have as a frozen um, manufacturer as well, um, it, it sort of reduces your options down sort of each sort of step away, uh, step along that route that you go. Um, but it's definitely something that we want to sort of bring into, uh, into our business in a much, much bigger way. Um, even things like company cars, for example, mm. um, my car is a is a hybrid, um, which is great. So probably about two thirds of my commute to and from work is on pure electric, which is fantastic. However, for our sales guys that are out on the road, um, hybrids don't don't work from from their perspective. Um, and also fully electric, with some of the mileage that they'll be doing on a daily basis, the sort of the the range that's available is is limiting as well. So it's just that that 
it will be great for the technology to sort of boost a little bit and sort of try and catch up with where everyone wants to be because it feels as though it's lagging behind a little bit at the moment. And hopefully we do see that accelerated because we've seen so much innovation over the last 14 months and that's certainly an area that we need more of and a little bit more sort of speed as opposed to haste, I think, just bringing that forward into the modern day, helping business develop that sort of green agenda and i suppose with automation as well um it's a delicate balance for the likes of yourselves isn't it because modernizing the business is one thing but you also have to keep it true to its long-standing traditions and part of that is finishing products by hand rather than full automation of the company so that is something that makes your business special and you've got to keep that very much at the heart of what you do as well so there is a delicate balance there it is. Uh, it's certainly something that we looked at um, long and hard sort of last year as, as we were making sort of plans for, for coming out of the pandemic. Um, and we are automating more areas of the business, but specifically those that are non-value add. So if if there there isn't a, a benefit that's going to be added to that product by um, human intervention, um, then those areas we are looking to automate because of we need to become more efficient and more productive for, for the future. Uh, I think one of the sort of the, the byproducts of the pandemic, bizarrely, will be that the UK comes out um, as a, a more productive uh, nation. Um, but for, for us, it's very much about ensuring, as you said, that we don't damage um, the, sort of the, the nature of the product that we're making all of our chief artists, for example, are hand-stretched, um, and, and that adds something to the product that you just cannot get from a machine. Every single one is slightly different. They're handled so so much more gently than they would be if a, if a machine was making them, and you can you can see the difference, and I think you can taste the difference as well, and, and we'd be crazy to sort of to, to take that out from what we do. It would be absolutely. So that's something that certainly has to uh, to stick around. And just thinking about sort of what the future might bring for the next 12 months, Simon, now that we do have sort of a clearer idea as to where we are going with social restrictions and fingers crossed we don't go backwards from here. Um, what is it that you're really hoping to achieve at the Speciality Breads business? And where are you really hoping to be this time in a year as hopefully we move into the post-COVID world now? So I think one of, one of the key things for us is the diversification of our um, sort of customer portfolio. Um, one of the things that we really felt the pinch on, as I said, was that we didn't have any retail business really to speak of. Um, so although the sort of pandemic is very much a unique experience, um, I do think we need to get a better balance within the business um, of, of the types of customers that we're dealing with. So we're very much going to focus on um, building some business in the, the retail sector. So that's something that we're, we're really looking at. Um, export, we'd started work on export um, a few years ago, and we're starting to make inroads into that. So we've had some good successes in places like Malta and, and Qatar. So we've got products sort of going, going overseas, which is great. Um, so we'll probably start to sort of revisit that um, again with a bit more gusto as, as things settle down. Um, and then just general overall improvements of the, of the business, as I said, making ourselves more efficient, embracing sort of um, green technology where, where, where it's available and where we can, um, and just making sure that we're sort of fit for the future. 
Yeah, it's certainly going to be a very interesting time and I certainly wish you all of the luck in the world with those future endeavours, Simon, hopefully moving the business forward from this time. And um, I think once we sort of get a clearer idea of where the recovery is going and how some of those sort of business ideas um, are going forwards, I think it would be great to catch up and welcome you back onto our programme just to see how things are getting on because there's still plenty of scope for things to change um, in the future for sure. Yeah, no, that would be delighted to it'll be my pleasure Simon it's been a real eye-opener for me welcoming you onto the programme today and I've thoroughly enjoyed it I'm sure the listeners also share that sentiment and um, since we're not quite out of it just yet but better times seem like they are coming please do take care and continue to stay safe with everything still going on likewise